Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, it's Bella and I'm back. Um, sorry about the long absence. I've been away in Africa. And today we are going to hear a little bit of a rant between me and the amazing Rosie Burkett. For me, it's it's the demonisation of foods like gluten. This is my bugbear. I'll be catching up with my sister, Francesca, who is in sunny Oban, to talk about my mum's body dysmorphia. The first thing mum said to me was, you're the size of a house. And I will be telling you all about my lovely holiday in Kenya. So my holiday was absolutely amazing. I flew out to Kenya to go and visit my cousin who lives out there with her son and she's just got the most glorious house on the coast overlooking a beautiful creek. I was way too hot the whole time. It's 38 degrees. So every time I went outside, I exploded in hives. And it was the most revolting I've ever been on holiday. In my mind before I went, I was like, I'm going to be reclining on a rock. I'm going to take all these lovely pictures of me on the beach. In reality, I had like sand in my pants and I was sweating. Every time a hairdresser asks me if I want beach hair, I'm like, if you could see me on the beach, you would never ask anyone that again. Like, it's not like a salt spritz. It's like I have seaweed on my head. I'm just, I'm absolutely disgusting. I was so rank on this holiday. It was really, really nice though. It was nice to have a break, although I'm not very good at chilling. I sort of, I feel like at the moment I'm a bit like a shark and if I stop I'll die or everything will fall apart and I will no longer have a career. So the fact that there was no Wi-Fi anywhere sort of gave me sort of palpitations and every day I would have to walk through the jungle to this hostel so I can get onto my laptop and check my emails lest something really important come through. I also, I have to post, I post on this social networking site called Yubble and I'm contractually obliged to post seven days a week. And so it was literally an emergency. I found my way to some Wi-Fi at some point during the day to go and deal with it. And walking in that hot sun through that jungle is not ideal. Um, So I'm a massive hypochondriac. And obviously Africa is full of malaria. But my mum insisted I didn't need to take malaria pills. And my cousin goes, well, as long as you don't get bitten, you're absolutely fine. At this point, I'd been bitten about 25 times. And I became convinced I had malaria. So I would wake up in the middle of the night with like palpitations and I would lie there and I'd go, I've got it. I've definitely got it. I've definitely got malaria. I was absolutely convinced every time I had a, a tummy ache, a headache, malaria. I knew it was malaria. I still sometimes think I might have malaria. I just ca- I can't get it out of my head. So... 
So I am here with the lovely Rosie Burkett, amazing cook and author of the cookbook, A Lot on Her Plate. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming in. Hi, thanks for having me. So can you just tell me a little bit about like what your food ethos is? Tell me a bit about your book, what it is that you do. Sure. Well, I am, I'm a food writer um, and a cook. And a few years ago, I decided to do a cookbook called A Lot on Her Plate, which is the name of my blog, because I've been working in food and food writing and food journalism for about kind of six years and in that time I'd been really inspired by the amazing restaurants I'd been to and the chefs I'd been interviewing and the producers I'd been meeting and just generally the food scene in the UK and kind of seeing how it's been coming on and and defining itself. So it's not a book about going to Holland and Barrett and buying lots of strange powders to put in your food? Definitely not, no. <laughs> um, I think that there are some wholesome sort of recipes. There is a green smoothie in there. Ooh. There is a granola recipe, but it's mostly kind of just the food I cook at home. I mean, I would never make bold health claims about my book because I'm obviously going to leave that to medical professionals. Mm. Um, but it's, I think, a healthy approach to food, which is to, to think carefully about how you're sourcing your ingredients to to think seasonally about how you're cooking and to to care a bit about where your ingredients are coming from and then putting them together in a way that you know gets the best out of them I'm so totally down with that. I think a lot of people see my Instagram and they think that I sort of, I am the character and I drink WKD all day. And I'm like, actually, you know, like I'm actually least trained and my mum is like an amazing Are cook. You? Yeah. I had no idea. I know, my secret shame. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> Lisa's brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. It's really cool. And you know, like I literally, I love amazing food. I love cooking. I love, you know, getting um, incredible ingredients and like shopping seasonally and stuff like that. Mm. But yeah, my my bugbear is just the sort of like the sort of the blandness and the sameness that has sort of swept the nation. This bizarre wellness trend. Yeah, it's really strange. I think because I definitely sort of felt slightly worried about bringing out this book that I'd spent two and a half years putting together and was the result basically of a career in food writing and the kind of love letter to sharing food and enjoying food and being excited and passionate about food and cooking and I was bringing out this book called A Lot on Her Plate you know in the middle of a wellness uh, health Mm. movement which was basically telling people no sugar no dairy no gluten cut all these things out don't eat carbs they're the enemy but the way I sort of made myself feel better was by thinking that the people that were buying those books weren't particularly the same people who were going to be interested in my book because I think my book's for people who like food and some of those other books are more about people who are interested in losing weight rather than thinking about, you know, being in love with food. I think that's actually a really important point because a lot of these books are written as if they're written for people who love food and they're like, you know, it's it's a lifestyle and it's about bettering yourself and it's about making yourself healthier and I'm like, ultimately, let's be realistic, this is about being thin. Yeah. I also I feel like it's incredibly exclusive. It's almost like, oh, you know, this is something for everyone, but only if you're middle class, white and thin. Mm. And, you know, I think there's a reason why there aren't any sort of like working class women of colour writing clean eating books. And that's because it's just not for them at all. It's no. for this like tiny enclave of society where we're like, OK, if we stay really thin and only eat this, um, then we'll all stay rich and we'll all still be able to live in Notting Hill and do yoga and all of this sort of 
bizarre thing and like, ugh, I hate it. I hate it all. It is an exclusive thing for sure. And the thing for me as well is just kind of the the doctrine of kind of self-delusion about how delicious and amazing all this food is. When, you know, you see it and it's like a bowl of sweet potato, some dry chickpeas, (laughs) some chopped cucumber and like a pile of overly peppery rocket and it's all dry and it's like the most amazing thing and I just don't think that is amazing you know and I think that's sort of doing a disservice to people who are working in the food industry who are actually trying to to say something interesting and and enthusiastic about food you know and I I just don't think it's in the same category yeah I mean I have I have a chapter of my book called Ingredients Arranged in Bowls, um, which is a nod to the idea of a recipe being literally like three sweet potato chips and a pile of peas. Yeah. And I'm just like, why are condiments the enemy? Like, what is wrong with using a bit of salt and pepper? What is wrong with actually like putting some love into cooking something? Yeah. Putting some butter in. Butter tastes excellent. It's yeah. delicious. Eat it. Also, I, I ate a vegan brownie for the first time last week. And this girl was like, honestly, this is the best brownie you're ever going to have. It's going to be so amazing. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. I ate it. It was actually disgusting. And she was like, it's just about choosing what crap you put in your body. And then her boyfriend was like, actually, my dad's a sugar trader and he makes so much money out of flogging sugar to you guys as healthy sugar mm. when it's all the same. Mm. Like your body digests it all the same. Like, you know, a tray of maple syrup brownies... It's not going to be better for you than one normal delicious brownie. Yeah. It's not a good choice. Well, that's it. There's so much kind of confusion and misinformation. And I think there are people out there who are trying to be informed about what they're saying within wellness. Like, I don't think we can totally make a broad sweeping statement that it's all BS and it's all completely, you know, that there's nothing in it. I think that there is something in some of it. There's got to be people out there. There are people out there who are doing things that that are, you know, potentially well-informed that will help you lose weight if that's something that you're interested in doing. And I think that it all filters down and, you know, people decide to make healthier choices through these influential people. But it's, to me, it's the way it's this kind of overarching thing of people jumping on the bandwagon and saying that you have to make these choices and, you know making young women as particularly impressionable young women worry worry all the time about what they're eating I think that's really that is really scary Mm. Um, and because a lot of the people who are purveying this information are as you say sort of well off very beautiful um, have fantastic genes you know and they're putting that out there as, as a package and that's what people are buying because they're looking for shortcuts and they're looking to feel better about themselves yeah. Um, and they're time poor. So, yeah, they're going to pick up a book that says, you're going to feel amazing if you eat like mm. this and you're going to look like me and I'm beautiful. Yeah. And that's really cynical. Sort of the point of this podcast has been sort of like, I've been on a quest to find the glow because I don't know what the glow is. I don't know how anyone gets the glow. I mean, the, the whole thing is so baffling to me. And I've always just thought, you know, I have no quarrel with anyone who encourages people to eat more vegetables. Mm. It's just when they start masquerading as cakes. Mm. That's what upsets me. <laughs> I'm like, that beetroot is not my pudding. Take it away. Never trust a woman who thinks fruit is a pudding. That's what my <laughs> mum always said. And it's true. It's true, yeah. I mean, I actually, I went to a vegan restaurant in Notting Hill. I went with a journalist and she was sort of being like, maybe we can like turn you, maybe you'll enjoy it. And when I got served a big, slippery, cold mushroom in a spelt bun, I was like, 
that's it, well, I'm out. I'm so out. This is so disgusting. No. Like, that is not a burger. Like, no. Stop lying to yourselves. And like a cold sort of pile of courgette. And I'm just like, stop pretending that's pasta. Please stop calling courgette, courgette pasta. <laughs> like it, it's, think about the Italian mamas that you're insulting with, with that claim. <laughs> exactly. That, that is just not, it's not pasta. It's never going to be pasta. Fine. It's it's fine in a salad. It's another way of chopping a courgette up, but it's not pasta. For me, it's it's the demonization of foods like gluten, food groups. It this is my bugbear. Like I, I have it. a I have friends who are celiac and they they are suffering terribly. Like that is such a nasty disease and they can't eat anything containing gluten because they get very very sick. But when I hear people who just don't understand what gluten even is, you know, a lot of people think that gluten is a carbohydrate. Um, and that's why they'll potentially be made fat by it or, or whatever mm. they're worried about. You know, a lot of people just don't even know what gluten is. And I got a press release in my inbox the other day about it saying like 75% of people questioned thought that gluten was carbohydrate. And you just think, God, you know, people are, are going to all this trouble to make chefs change menus. And it's fine if you actually suffer. But if it's just a a silly diet fad then it's really not on and like my granny was a celiac and god bless her soul she was absolutely enormous so giving up gluten <laughs> is not going to make you thin especially when gluten-free biscuits are just like pumped full of sugar well that's it i think people see i i had some i tried some tortilla chips the other day and they were making this big bold claim about being gluten-free and you kind of think well you should be gluten-free anyway if you're a corn tortilla like you don't have gluten in um but they were so disgusting and they were so full of other stuff like when I looked on the back um they they, they had all these extra because they were free from gluten but they were also claiming to be low in fat which is why they tasted bad um and yeah they just had they take it was like chewing cardboard but I think a lot of the time when they cut things out they put a lot of other stuff back in one of my favorite things to do is to wait for like some really like skinny beautiful person to be like yeah I don't eat wheat and just be like are you a celiac and they're like (laughs) no and I'm like why then why I'm like read some books please enough of this bad science and like you know what I think those girls are lovely they are so nice and I'm like you're very nice but you are wrong yeah I think one of the one of the interesting things for me was that my book was kind of full of recipes and um, there were lots of things in there. There were pearl barley risottos, um, there was squid ink pasta, there were things like that. But the the dish that really resonated the most with everyone and that everyone loved the most, which is slightly frustrating for me because I'm much more of a savoury person, but it was the salted butterscotch popcorn cheesecake. Oh my God, that uh, sounds amazing. This was the recipe that got pulled out and put on the cover of Olive magazine and, you know, that ES magazine said was the cheesecake of champions and you know this was the recipe that people loved and I just thought that's interesting timing because on the one hand you've got this whole set and this and you've got all the papers actually and and the media jumping on this movement and saying that you know we all have to change the way we eat and be part of this wellness thing and then you've got them also at the same time celebrating this incredibly over the top indulgent recipe from my book that was really the most extreme example of decadence and Mm. of something that was high in fat high in sugar and sort of ticking all of those boxes the filthiest, if we are, if we're going to attribute those kind of words to food, which I don't think we should, um, it was it was that kind of recipe, and that's the one that everyone loved. So I think that people were kind of looking for a bit of respite from being told, no, you mustn't eat any of this stuff. 
Thank you so, so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. I very much enjoyed our rant. Yeah, me too. Um, let's eat crisps. Um, let's eat crisps. Also, I'm going to make your cheesecake like immediately. It <laughs> sounds amazing. That's actually going to be my weekend activity, I think. <laughs> um, as you might remember, a couple of weeks ago, I went and did a cake decorating class with Reshmi from Ange Souk. And we were just rifling through her cupboards. And she told me a little bit about her thoughts on granola. Yeah, I got a big bag of granola because um, I was feeling a bit self-conscious that the summer's approaching and I've got to get back into my little itty-bitty shorts. And um, so I was like, you know, I, I want to get some more fibre in because I've been reading all this fibre stuff is good for you. And um, so my husband then thought, yeah, OK, um, I'll, I'll, I'll sort it. Don't you worry, I'll sort it. So he got me some breakfast. And it's this black bag, very posh-looking bag, and... It looks all right, except it looks like hamster food, like stuff you'd put in a hamster's bowl. Mm, it, it then I thought maybe with some milk it might be better, and it wasn't. And I read the ingredients and I was so upset. Jumbo rolled oats. I like the word jumbo. Everything jumbo is fun because it rhymes with dumbo, and I liked dumbo. I also like dumbo. Rapeseed oil, which is the worst name ever like eat the, I don't like rapeseed oil I don't like the word I just don't like it desiccated coconut again I don't like desiccated coconut I Hey it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out Quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands and the best part they're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I like coconut, just not desiccated. Fructose, that's fine. Black treacle, that's fine. Chicory fiber. What is that? Cashew nut pieces, fine. Pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, golden linseeds, so many seeds, and then there are a bunch of nuts. So I was like, this is this is not cool. This isn't for me. So I'm going to go get a big bag of Wheatos, which is what I did. It's right up there. Admittedly, the box is probably more nutritious than what's inside of it, but it tastes good. And my dad always says, if you look forward to eating something, then nature will help you metabolize it faster because your mouth produces um, saliva, which helps digestion, which brings down IBS. So there you go. Wheatos is much healthier than the seed bag. So I've just got back from Kenya with my sister, Francesca. We call her Doris. I thought I'd give her a call just for a little catch up. Hello. Hi, Doris. It's your sister. Uh, hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, thanks. Where are you now? I am in Oban, in the hairdressers, actually. How is lovely Oban? What's the weather like? 
Oh, man, it's miserable. It's sitting and down with rain, as per usual. It's open, so... Um, so, Doris, um, I'm phoning. I'm phoning you because I want you to tell me about what Mum did when you got back from your gap year. Oh uh, gosh! <laughs> well, the first thing Mum said to me was, "You're the size of a house." <laughs> and then immediately when I got home, I wasn't allowed a welcome home meal. I was put onto a diet, and um, no carbs, no dairy, protein shakes, a personal trainer three times a week, and exercising every day. So my mum's a bit of a loon and she sort of has, um, she has these misconceptions of our sizes. So I'm always too thin and mum's always trying to make me fatter. And even though Francesca and I are very similar in size, Francesca is always too fat and mum is always putting her on a diet. And it, it is, I mean, it didn't help that you arrived at the airport in one of those like Indian moo-moos, which is probably the least flattering skirt. thing. My Burmese skirt is what I was wearing. <laughs> Your Burmese skirt. Along with a Deathly Hallows t-shirt, which made me look pregnant. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. What happened on the Emirates flight? The Emma, this really pretty Emirates flight attendant, as I walked onto the flight, grabbed my belly and was like, oh my gosh, you're pregnant. Don't worry, people have given up their seat on the tube for me loads of times before. Like, I'll just be really <laughs> bloated because I'll have been eating loads of cabbage. I can't eat cabbage. And oh, I, that, was, that was why I was super bloated as well. Did you eat cabbage? I know, I was doing what I eaten, but I'd eaten something that bloated me and made me look pregnant. Um, one year at Christmas, I ate so much cabbage the night before Christmas that I woke up with, like, a belly so big I had to wear one of my mum's old maternity skirts. And my aunt gave me a packet of Windies and sent me to the drawing room by myself to go and deal with it before I sat down for Christmas lunch. I've never felt so ashamed of my family in my whole life. It was awful. You do it every year. I do do it every year. I have this thing where I like to stretch my stomach as much as possible before I eat on Christmas Day so I can eat as many pigs in blankets as possible. But every year I take it too far and I ruin everything by eating way too much on Christmas Eve and then I have the most miserable Christmas Day, usually with like aggressive indigestion and I can never eat. It's an absolute nightmare. You make the stomach every year. <laughs> I'm the pits. So my mum's got this personal trainer called Hillary, and um, Hillary and my mum are basically in love. And mum goes to work out with Hillary, but doesn't really work out. They just basically sort of shoot the breeze while my mum sort of like looks at a kettlebell. But um, with Francesca, it was like aggressive. Like Francesca was in boot camp mum will buy anything from hillary mum started buying these sort of like fizzy energy sticks which were essentially sort of glorified barocca which francesca had to drink constantly to give her enough energy to work out as much as she had to i also had to drink digestion plus which tasted like cardboard every day what is digestion plus this brown powder that dissolved into water tasted like cardboard to help everything move along metabolism support pills vitamins, raspberry, keratonin, or whatever it's called. How much do you think this costs, Mum? The plot. Oh, uh, the package costs £250. <laughs> or, I think, 10 sessions, and then all of the goods along with it. I mean, she's an absolute loon. She's actually started buying face wash from this personal trainer as well. Honestly, Hillary oh could God. sell my mum old rope for £1,000. <laughs> So Francesca and I have just been in Kenya together and we, we actually both managed to lose weight because 
we have such terrible immune systems. So as soon as I sort of stepped off the plane, I was like, I'm dead. This is it. I've got dysentery. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to waste away. And um, we basically we were so smug. So we went to TK Maxx the day before and we managed to buy some really, really expensive luxury sun cream on a big discount. I was so excited. I was like, I'm a goddess. And then we got out there. I covered myself in it. I walked outside and I exploded in a rash. I had more hives than a beekeeper. And Francesca and I nicknamed the rash Rushwanda. <laughs> Ran around the house going Rushwanda in yeah. an X Factor voice. <laughs> Francesca could only say Rushwanda in the X Factor voice. Yeah, so we went to go, we went to go and save my cousin, and my cousin's a bit of a hippie. And the only thing that she could provide to sort of cure Rushwanda was this thai powder that had snake venom in it and it was actually amazing it did it did really bring it down but i constantly looked like scarface because i had powder all over my body so all hope of a holiday romance was completely dashed but we met some absolutely amazing gap year tragedies we went to a hostel where francesca saw someone she knew and had to hide in kenya she saw someone she knew um, so we met these we met these four hippies who were travelling around Kenya and they'd built an African dhow which is like the traditional sailing ship in Africa and they were like oh you know we're going to travel up and down the Kenyan coast and we're going to educate people in how to build dhows and I was like four white men cannot travel up and down the coast of Africa teaching Africans who've built dhows for hundreds of years how to build their own boats I was like Paolo what have you done? What have you done? And then the absolute icing on the cake is that one of them was French. He was called Louis and he had a really long dreadlock and wore a beret at all times. And he was the worst. He was the worst. He used to hook his dreadlock underneath the other ear on the other side. So it was like a chin strap. <laughs> Never seen anything like it. <laughs> it was it was absolutely awful. Yeah, so something that Francesca does at home, what we all do is we sort of revert into this sort of pseudo-Scottish accent that we, we kind of put on, but I think we also kind of have because we did grow up there. And Francesca just can't get rid of it. She used it at school. No. <laughs> she uses it all the time. I mean, can you can you speak a little bit in it? Because it is ridiculous. I mean, I start off by going, oh, you're right, pal. That's my favourite line. <laughs> It's dreadful. Mum gets so upset whenever she hears me speaking like this in the local co-op or something. She thinks I'm trying to take the piss. Mum also gets really upset when we call Francesca by her nickname, which is Doris. <laughs> yeah, so Doris is a name that we gave Francesca when she had really aggressive migraines and she used to have to go and ask the school nurse at school for painkillers all the time. So the school nurse decided that Francesca might have a drug problem and be addicted to Nurofen. <laughs> so we started calling her oh. Doris the druggie and it's absolutely stuck. So yeah, even it's dad stuck. uses it all the time. Whenever we reference her when she's not there, we're like, when's Doris coming home? Sign <laughs> my birthday cards with Doris. That bit, I think, is worse, though. Oh, yeah, so Francesca has one leg slightly shorter than the other. And one year when we went to Disneyland as a family, she was hobbling as if she had a peg leg, and so we called her Blackbeard. <laughs> no, she doesn't have a facial hair problem. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> but the worst thing is they wanted me to jump in our pond at home and thrash around being Blackbeard, the most dangerous freshwater fish ever, <laughs> because they were obsessed with river monsters and wanted to pretend to be Jeremy Wade. Yeah, we know we're obsessed with um, the programme River Monsters. My name is Jeremy Wade. I'm an extreme angler and a biologist searching the world's most dangerous rivers for the world's most dangerous <laughs> river monsters. Amazing. The best programme ever made. So, Doris, at what point did Mum allow you to stop seeing Hillary three times a week? Did you get thin enough? No, I've never been thin enough. 
never thin enough for Sal. I mean, Sal is clearly convinced my boobs are my best asset, so she's always wanting me to wear slacky tops because the rest of me is clearly not glorious enough. The only escape I have is going to uni and pretending that I'm exercising the whole time. Have you even joined the university gym? (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Please don't let mum and dad listen to this because I did tell dad (laughs) that I needed money for it. Oh my God, you're the worst. Didn't mum tell you she would (laughs) confiscate your car if you didn't start going to the gym? Yes, she did. Francesca, have you got any top tips for getting the glow? I feel like I start glowing after a cigarette. Yeah, you do, li- you do like to smoke a lot of fags. Well, you know, it makes me feel better. I get a smile on my face. I'm no longer grumpy. So you get the glow by smoking cigarettes? Smoking a cigarette, eating a chalky bar always puts a nice smile on my face, gives me a glow. I mean, you can just dye your hair and then you're kind of glowing then. I mean, these are all excellent tips. You definitely sound like a sister of Deliciously Stella. I mean, but having Deliciously Stella as a sister is the best thing of all time because the house is always filled with all the food you eat. Yeah, we have a lifetime supply of WKD in my mother's kitchen. <laughs> we call it Wucker Dirt School. We call it Blue Champagne. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Doris. I'm going to have to go now. Um, you can go back to hanging out in Oban in the rain. Um, and don't let mum bully you. What, I mean, she... I got back from holiday and I've been put on a diet again. But you look great on holiday. I know, but she says it's got to continue. A monkey stole some bananas out of someone's room, which I thought was pretty cool. We have to scare off the monkeys that try and steal the bananas. And if you come across a man monkey, you have to stand your ground and you just have to scream as loudly as you can in its face to try and scare it off. Because we're quite close to sort of primates, they are very attracted to women. So they sort of will come and hang around you like as if you're on heat. And it is absolutely terrifying. They're really big and they're really scary. One walked into um, the sitting room when I was watching telly and I was like, bah! as loudly as I could and it ran away. I was so scared. Like they've got rabies and stuff. It wasn't a baboon. There were no baboons by the coast. Last time I went to Kenya, I actually went on safari with my family and there were so many baboons. And it was it was really good. So everyone was on sort of spotting duty because we were trying to find a cheetah. And my dad's a bit blind. And he kept going, oh, oh, I've seen one, I've seen one. And they were like, good spot, Charlie, but that's a domestic dog. And then he was like, oh my God, this time I've got it. I can literally see it. And he goes, that's a road sign, Charlie. Poor dad. And the worst thing is that the thing that we like the most is warthogs. And they're just absolutely abundant in Kenya. Like they're the least exciting thing you could possibly see. And all we wanted to do was chase the warthogs. And my mum's like, come on, let's go and find a leopard. And we're like, oh, Pumba. Oh. We sang all the songs from The Lion King. The best thing that happened is because we're literally on open savannah. And if you need to go for a wee, you literally have to wee on the savannah. But there's safari trucks sort of going around everywhere. And my sister was really worried about someone spotting her squatting. So my mum gets out and she gets a sarong out to sort of come, you know, protect her modesty. And another safari van thought that we were signalling for help. And so they start driving towards us really quickly while my sister is squatting on the ground. And she's just like, stop, stop. And my mum's like, no, no, no. But the more aggressive she gets, the more convinced they are that something has like broken into our van and is trying to kill us. And they drive up and they're just, my sister's just there with her pants down. And it was the most embarrassing thing for her, but the funniest thing for the rest of my siblings and I. It was amazing. Nobody goes to Kenya for the food. 
Nobody goes to Africa for the food. Honestly, the food is unbelievable. They have this thing called ugali, which is basically just maize mixed with water. And it's like a really rank, dense mashed potato. My cousin's a really amazing cook, so she sort of makes the best of it. But, you know, you can't get anything fresh, really. Like, no fresh milk. It's all UHT. And, um, you know, their, their idea of a restaurant is it's not a restaurant. It was not ideal. The food was pretty bad, but you know what? I lost some weight. It was fine. I saw no evidence of the golden arches in Kenya. I went to uh, I went to Java Coffee in Nairobi Airport, and I had a massive plate of pancakes, and I was so excited. My cousin goes, "Whatever you do, just don't eat meat there because you will get food poisoning." And there were so many delicious meat dishes, like sort of lurking around. So I was I was in the airport with my sister, and we had a certain amount of Kenyan shilling left, and I was like, "Great." That is for our airport snacks. I have to eat constantly when I'm travelling where I get upset. And I was like, this is it. She goes, oh, I'm just going to go and buy some duty-free cigarettes. She comes back. She has spent every single penny of our Kenyan shilling on cigarettes. I was like, what have you done? She was like, oh, it's fine. I'll just pay on my card. She's left her card in the hold luggage. I have never been so cross with her in my entire life. I was like, I want pancakes. You spent all our money on fags. You're a disgusting, smoky Susan. So I made her go back and try and return the cigarettes. Obviously, the man in Nairobi Airport was having none of it. He just made the sale of his life. So I just basically was in an absolute furious strop for the whole plane ride. I was absolutely livid and normally I like to have about four meals on the plane but on the way there I went to Pret and I bought three sandwiches some cranberries and coats some of those rice cakes covered in chocolate like loads of popcorn one of those Pret love bars I was like this will keep me going I ate it in an hour and then I had a really sore tummy for the rest of the flight and then I ate the on-plane meal even though it was disgusting (laughs) Um, so the flight was actually the worst flight I've ever been on, I think. Like, the cattle class in Kenya Airways, it seems to be the smallest I've ever endured. Francesca and I made the biggest effort to get upgraded of all time. So we were like, let's wear athleisure wear, and we'll look a bit like Gigi Hadid. And then when we get there, they'll obviously upgrade us because we look so classy. Absolutely not. We got there, like, they gave us absolute short shrift, and I was like, I'm wearing a leopard print coat to go to Kenya, and... You know, this is this is ridiculous. I should have just worn a tracksuit and gotten over myself. But no, had to try, had to give it a go. If I had the glow, I probably would have been upgraded. I, I definitely would have been upgraded. Uh, thanks for listening. It's great to be back. And the next podcast will be out again in a couple of weeks. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.